Blog Talk Radio. Your wait is over. Put Grandmama on a bed and pour yourself a drink. And prepare yourself for an attack on all your senses. In a place where the irregulars roam free. The Matty P Radio Happy Hour is live on the air. The only place where you get direct access to your favorite celebrities. Call in now. 323-792-2992. The Matty P Radio Happy Hour. You can't write this shit. Hey, Rita. Uh, Rita, where's Maddie today? 
Well, I believe he's working in retail now. Yeah, this week he's been selling women's purses in Switzerland, so he's unable oh, to make it here. That's a big change. Yeah. I wonder where brought that on. Ooh. Good for him. Well, they're There's really expensive good. purses. They're in the $40,000 price range, so he might but make some good commissions. Off yeah, of I guess he, he's trying to make some extra cash before the little... Uh, Little mini P comes along. Yeah, exactly. But we should week. warn him because, uh, you know, those bags aren't for everybody. You know, I'm just saying. No. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Not everybody <laughs> can afford them. You'd have to be careful. Yes, exactly. But, you know, all right, so who do we have on tonight? We have uh, Dean Haglin from the X-Files, the lone oh, gunman himself. Yeah. And uh, uh, I... Shay, how do you how do you say it? Dayo? It's, uh, it, it, it's Dio Okaniyi. Okay, yeah. See, I, that's why I referred it over because I'm not I'm not good with that kind of stuff. That's all right. It's all right. I uh, I you knew know. a bunch of Okaniyis growing up. You know, well, you know. Um, well, I don't know where you grew up. Well, I do. <laughs> Actually, but I didn't, I didn't know there was such a uh, Nigerian uh, population <laughs> in Albuquerque. Oh, um, and we all we, either Sanchez or Okaniyi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Seems good right there. We also hey, have a, uh, a a a up and coming uh, Korean actress, Vivian Bang, from that great show uh, Sullivan and Sons. Sullivan and Sons. That's right, Sullivan and Sons. Her name is Vivian Bang, and you have to say it real abruptly. Yeah, Vivian Bang. See, I didn't have to help you with that one. No, little little Bang. Vivian Bang. And, uh, well, and you know, but but going back to Dean Haglin, okay, we have, uh, you know, I was always a big fan of the X Files and and all that kind of, uh, you know, do aliens exist and truth is out there and all that stuff. I loved it and and you know and and then we have you know and I but I always wondered, you know, because then you know following afterwards was with David Duchovny was uh, came out that he was a sex addict and I was like always like why didn't they work that into the show. Well, it's actually it funny that you said that. Line. Well, no, like um, um, Mulder's character, there there was like this, and I'm a I'm, I'm a huge geek about this particular show, and it was great to actually talk to Dean. Um, but there actually was like this running joke that was in the show that that Fox Fox Mulder. Um, I don't know if it was because he was so busy with his conspiracy theories or because he was always chasing the aliens or looking for his sister, but he was very much addicted to porn. And if my memory serves me correctly, in the show that um, – who was the dad that was in um, um, Everyone Loves Raymond? Uh, Peter Boyle. Boyle. Boyle, yeah. He was um, – his character was – he, like, saw the future, and he could, and he could tell when people were going to die. And I remember him telling Mulder, well, you know, Mulder asked if he could tell when he's when he was going to die. And, and, you know, Peter Boyle tells him, um, you have to watch out for erotic asphyxiation that can kill you. So, that, you know, so you can tell that there was this. Like, I, was, I was a big NXS fan, too. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> obviously what killed him. I right. think you should take that advice, Rico. It can kill you. Be careful. Although Mulder always wore the the creepy flasher overcoat in every scene he was in, I know. So I think there was something about his sex life in there already. No, but there there was this like there was this very consistent theme about him being really into porn. You know that was that was a running joke, and I don't know if it was him that put that idea out there, or if it was 
you know, something that Chris Carter, who's the creator of the show, kind of put out there. But that was definitely prevalent in the uh, X-Files series. So with that... What guy isn't into porn, though? Yeah, we all are. It's a, it's an art. It's a little. You can't be addicted to art. Stupid. <laughs> That's right. That's a good one. <laughs> That's exactly right. So with that, guys, why don't we bring on... Um, Oh, you guys, you guys Long are first guest? All right. We we had to bump him from last week's show. I felt terrible about it. We've got a great interview mm-hmm. with one of the lone gunmen. I think we should just get into that. Let's do it. Uh, we are in for a special treat here on Matty P Radio Happy Hour. We are going to be talking with Dean Hagland, direct from the set of his new film, The Lady Killers. And without further ado, let's bring him out here. Dean, are hey, you there? Everybody. I am. Hey, How Dean. are you? Well, uh, you're on the line with me, Grim Shea. Uh, joining us, of course, is my co-producer, Mark E. Say hi, Mark. I cannot believe that we are talking to a lone gunman right now. Oh. This is ridiculous. Oh. But go on. <laughs> yes, I am Mark e. I am so excited that you're here. Mark e is I'm not the gonna, X-Files guy. And I'm not going to just bombard this interview with X-Files questions. And hey, go though, right ahead. Later no, on. it's fine. No, we're gonna. There's, I'm sure we'll get to some of it. No, no, I'm I'm pulling the reins in on them already. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Continue, but, but now listen. What I want to talk to you about first, and we can talk about okay. it as long as you want, is I know you have just started filming this new movie, The Lady Killers. Yeah. And I want you to tell us all about it because it is hard to find info on it. Well, yes, we we have a Facebook uh, uh, page, and uh, the Lady Killers movie is our website, and. Uh, it is a, uh, a, a romantic thriller uh, directed by and written by Phil Larness, who is my also uh, producing partner and uh, co-host of my podcast of seven years, the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. So we have been uh, talking for some time about uh, doing another movie. We, of course, did a documentary together and um, way back when did a Lifetime movie. Uh, I think it was called Lost Souls, but when we shot it, it was called Spectres uh, with Marina Sirtis and Tucker Smallwood. And now we are, are doing a, um, uh, The Lady Killers. Oh, I, you know, I, I not only like the idea that you guys just took off and said, we're going to do this after you've done some work together, but on top of that, now as I understand, this is a partially crowdfunded movie, yeah. and on top of that, it is currently an underfunded <laughs> movie. So what oh, I want you to tell us... You're following Mark, our Twitter feed, are you? Uh, uh, I, I, faithfully, but I, I want okay. you to tell us so we can pass it on to the listeners. How can, how we, can we help? Anyway, how uh, can excellent. we do it? Yes, we have a Donate Now button at our website. Uh, I'll just make sure it's uh, still functioning as a website. You know, when you play a computer hacker on TV, a lot of your websites uh, get Does hacked. suck. Oh, okay. <laughs> they suck. Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of kids out there who go, "Hey, is that guy really a hacker?" And then you know, they go at it on your website. So, <laughs> so you, you are fun. you are actually isolated because you you because you were Langley on the Glow Gun. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm isolated. It's that these uh, you know they want to see how mad my skills are on the old uh, wow. internet. So, <laughs> so they'll go it's in. It's make and believe, you guys. It's make believe. He's not a hacker. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, back in 95, I was hand-coding my own website. But, you know, now I'm not really doing backhoes and uh, uh, all sorts of other nefarious things online. So, you know, I get a lot of that action. But, yes, theladykillersmovie.com, there's a Donate Now button. 
that you can contribute to the movie. Or if you want to go uh, further and become an investor, you can email me directly at dean at deanhaglin.com. Dean, uh, we are all writing this down. Boy, there's there's <laughs> no way not to give you money. Very smart. Exactly. You'd be you'd be ridiculous not to give me money. That's how. <laughs> this this and and I like that you're doing it this way. I know Kickstarter gets all the attention nowadays as being the new indie yeah. way to fund anything. But was there a reason you chose not to do Kickstarter? Yeah. Well, in fact, we're holding off on our Kickstarter. Uh, because a movie is really three stages. There's the pre-production, the stage we are now in the shooting, and then there's the post-production. And if you want, uh, there's also marketing. You know, a lot of uh, young filmmakers think, wow, I've you know, run this marathon, my movie's completed. But in fact, that is just the beginning of the marathon. Once that movie's completed, getting it out there, getting it in front of the right people, all of that is a whole nother, uh 26.3 miles of running that you have to do. And so um, uh, what we've done is we've sort of sectioned off each one of the popular crowdsourcing uh, funding options in sections. So our Indiegogo was actually our pre-production thing. So it was our uh, friends and people in the know and all that sort of thing sort of donated enough money that we could get their people together and then go after investors who then sort of set us up and stabilized us to uh, have the ability to make the movie. Uh, and the money that we wanted wasn't so much that it was the complete making of the movie. It just made it to where we got it all in camera, and then we're going to go back to Kickstarter and make a trailer that looks spectacular and then use that for the post-production and marketing end of it. So it's kind of three stages, so you're not just leaning on everybody all at once at the top going, oh, my God, we're going to do this amazing thing. Like so many Kickstarter things I've donated to that have never come to fruition, uh, you know, you, you say, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Here, give me 10 bucks or whatever. And then you give them 10 bucks, And then, you know, two years later, you go, hey, how's that thing you're doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still How's working $10 doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've had a couple setbacks, blah, blah, blah. And, and so... You know, even my Kickstarter, where I had a graphic novel, I'm still in the middle of drawing that thing. And yet, you know, all these other projects take me away from it. So anybody who you donated to my Kickstarter on the graphic novel, that is coming. Yep, <laughs> he's just had a couple of setbacks. Yada, 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 a couple yada, of setbacks, <laughs> i.e., I'm doing a movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know not a bad a one. Setback. Yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a time eater, that's all. So much work, can't get anything done. It's a curse. It's a curse. <laughs> it is a curse. Damn them. Damn working. <laughs> well, and I noticed you do a lot of your work, as you mentioned, with uh, with your producing partner, Phil Learness. And, uh, yeah. and I have listened to the uh, Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, a fan Thank of the podcast. Uh, how did you guys first hook up? I mean, when when did uh, when did you decide, that's it, let's, let's be more than business acquaintances, let's be producing partners? Yeah, that's a weird question because, you know, we don't actually know the answer to that. We, and <laughs> when you move to L.A., you sort of just run into the same people at the same parties and the movie theaters and the things. So we don't actually remember, oh, hey, that was the day we met. But he was um, president of a uh, foreign distribution film company that was distributing, uh, uh, you know, our rare French new wave films and stuff like that. 
and I had rented the office beside it to, for my production company. And when we come to work every Monday, we would often have an hour-long chat about movies we've seen, events we went to, that sort of thing. And my assistant, who was sitting there on the computer, said, you know, your conversation is very fascinating. You should make that like a podcast. And I went, oh, okay. And then from there, the podcast became this weekly thing where we said, oh, why don't, you know, and it became our production meetings. Basically, we call them on-air production meetings where we talk about future projects and plans. And then uh, we, uh, it actually became the, the impetus to start doing actual real films and stuff like that. So, so it was a real organic, gradual, uh, no-focus plan where we go, okay, here's the plan. We're going to do this and this and this. It was just sort of uh, came together uh, sort of really kind of slowly because our podcast has been going for seven years now, and uh, we never missed a show other than last week, we posted Tuesday instead of Monday. That's all. I, ah, that's nothing. That's that, nothing. That, nothing. That, yeah. It broke my nothing. heart, but I've I've moved on. <laughs> we sent an apology on Facebook, and uh, <laughs> you know, we gave everybody a heads up that that was going to happen. No, it I was out of the country anyway. You got lucky oh. that time. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> now, uh, also, what I understand about uh, this movie, The Lady Killers, despite its name. It's actually a very strong female ensemble piece, which is, uh, to put it mildly, a rarity in Hollywood. It is a rarity. Uh, you know, we often talk on our show about the Bechanel test, uh, which is, uh, or Bechanel? I'm not sure how it's pronounced, actually. But it is a, uh, uh, a graph that determines uh, uh, how many movies that are currently out there have a female lead, that has more than ten lines in the movie, that uh, uh, the conversation is not about the other guy in the movie, and that uh, moves the plot forward. And this test determines uh, basically where, uh, you know, women's role in movies are at. And it has become apparently the lowest ever in the history of filmmaking at the moment. Oh, this uh, sounds like a depressing test. I know. Can we just stop doing the test? (laughs) Yes, we can. Yes, yes, you can go to a movie and not do the test. But if you're uh, curious about, uh, you know, female roles and and, and, uh, the roles, there's so many great, talented female actresses out there that, uh, you know, the audition for smaller and smaller parts uh, at lesser and lesser quantities and... um, so we thought that uh, uh, often we say we should be the change that we want to see. So instead of being angry Gun. at the man and fighting, we become the solution that we wish the future to be. So so we decided to make a movie that had lots of female roles that were positive, that weren't uh, dependent on uh, uh, talking about what the guy was doing and uh, and move the plot forward. So. Oh. So and you got uh, two males to produce it. Well, that's good. One, one step at a time. Well, done. well, you know, you say two males, but there is some very strong female presence in both our uh, our relationships supporting this movie. Because you know, it it takes an army to make any feature film, and uh, when you see any movie on screen, regardless how bad it is, you just have to doff your hat to the fact that they got it to screen because it yeah. is. Uh, a Herculean effort to get that rock up that hill. Oh, I believe it. 
I believe it. And and in lieu of asking you anything about upcoming X-File movies, which we are all oh. resigned to the fact they won't be coming, we were excited, especially someone else in this room with me, mm-hmm. to be at Comic-Con a couple weeks ago at the IDW panel, which I believe you moderated. Did you get into that panel, sir? I, I did, sir. I did. I, I, used my, I used my power as a member of the press, and they actually No, you me. did not. I did. They actually... Squeezing um, out poor young girls who only wanted to catch a glimpse of Jillian Anderson. I offered my lap. Took up two seats and put his laptop on a third. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I am a, I am a, as we said earlier, I am an X Files junkie, and uh-huh. I could talk to you about the cigarette smoking man, about the yes. black oil, Crycheck, I could, of all of it, of all of it. Um, wow. But one of the things that really kind of stood out there was um, when I, well, I missed the TV Guide um, panel, which was kind of the big one. It was the 20th anniversary. Can you believe it's been 20 years? I can't. Well, hey, that that is shocking in and of itself. I mean, uh, it seems like it was just yesterday that I was hanging out with all of them, and uh, <laughs> and that 20 years have passed, and I sort of went, oh, geez, I better get something done around here. So you know, <laughs> you're damn right. You're damn right. And, and okay, so I am there at I I am there at your panel. I'm excited okay. because I couldn't get into the TV Guide one and. Jillian Anderson is right there, and she looks still just stunning. I know, right? Right. Like, it's, she, she's the same age. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, like me. what time machine? What is she eating? Like I, <laughs> I could have asked her questions forever about her health regime and diet yeah. plan because it was like yeah. it was ridiculous how it was. It's basically 1993 looking yeah. at her. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't understand well, what, it at all. What? What actually kind of uh, stuck was that, you know, when you finally meet somebody or in the same room with somebody who you've kind of been following for, you know, 20 years now, um, and when you, when you finally hear them and see them talk at the same time, and when you kind of realize that, it's that it's, it is that voice coming out of that person, there was something very kind of spiritual that kind of takes over there. You know, there is that kind of moment where it all becomes real. Um, and that's what, that's what your panel brought. So I, I really want to thank you for moderating that, for taking on that huge challenge of presenting Jillian ah. Anderson to the masses. And I also wanted to give credit to, uh, as I want to give credit to you and the role that you took as being a part of the X Files, because I believe that X Files started this geek is chic culture 20 years ago now. But X Files started it all. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Well, that's fascinating because I actually had a company called Geek Chic, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I've closed it down sense. now, but it, but uh, yeah, the, it, it was this. Um, uh, thing that the lone gunman incorporated this, um, the power of the nerd sort of mm-hmm. thing that we were, you know, considered weirdos like in season one. But as we progressed through the years, it became that, you know, we had more and more an integral role and that it was like cooler to come and hang out with us. And then when we got our own spinoff, that was sort of like, oh, you know, now here's the show. And I think that even that show was kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. I think that if that show came out now, it probably would have uh, lasted more than 13 episodes. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so yeah, uh, yeah, it sort of seemed that, you know, Chris Carter and all the writers were like, basically, as a surfer does, which Chris Carter, he edited Surfing Magazine for 13 years. <laughs> he, uh, 
he surfs every weekend while doing that show. He's from he LA. On these, yeah, yeah, and he and he goes on these exotic uh, surfing holidays where they uh, boat you out to a, uh, a barrier reef where a wave appears in the middle of the ocean with nothing around you, and a wave wow. is uh, three miles long, and you surf by yourself in the middle of a uh, the Bali ocean. Wow. And then the, a jet ski takes you back to the front. Like, he does this kind of surfing. And well, so, that's why we're not getting another X-Files movie. <laughs> this guy needs know, to right? get off his board. got to take this board. Yeah, exactly. That's really tough to get back to a laptop when you're doing yeah. that. Yeah. But he, he basically, sorry, you know, was a f- ahead of the culture curve, like a surfer. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, from, that, from that very same panel, uh, aside from... Jillian's voice. I hope I'm saying her first name right. I've actually never heard Jillian it spoken. Jillian yep. Okay, good. All right. I got it right. Um, aside from hearing her sultry voice and, and, and finally seeing her, um, there was a couple things that we learned at Comic-Con at, uh, at the IDW panel, um, and we're going to pretend that no one out there heard this yet, okay? But the okay, X-Files... X-Files lives on, everybody. It lives on. How does it live on? How? I know. That's the thing. I was shocked to hear this, uh, it is living on in the form of comic books. Oh, my God. It's called Season 10, X-Files, <laughs> and it is the IDW's new line that Chris Carter is, I, I, was sh- I thought he was just calling it in, you know, like he would, like, look at this, uh, some of the sketches and go, yeah, okay. Kind of George, actively, kinda, kinda yeah, like he's a George actively involved in putting yeah. this thing together. And so it's uh, it's the season ten. It's part of the canon of the X Files, which I apparently I didn't know afterwards until I read all the tweets and everything. But I uh, he was being dodgy on that, and I put his feet to the fire and made him say, "Yes, this is official canon of the X Files lore uh, that season ten comic book is. It's not a different story. It's the actual." sort of continuation of it. Right, right. Um, Almost better than a movie. Well, yeah, you know, as a X-Files junkie, we want the story to continue. And it's it's not really important what that vehicle is. You know, we want to know what happens. So uh, just from all of us out there, and I speak for all X-Files fans right here. He does, forcefully. I I make it happen. (laughs) We are so grateful to, you know, any role that you might have in in the future, which brings me to one more thing that we found out at the IDW panel that was moderated by, um, that was moderated by you, that the lone gunman, I think they survived, don't they? They do. How did, what the... You know, how I saw them die, kind of. They didn't really, but they kind of did, right? You never saw them. You never saw them. And it's funny, I think I said this at the panel. I might have gave a truncated version of it, but uh, often at these sci fi conventions, when someone would bring up the death of the lone gunman, I would often point out that, you know, when we uh, took that horrible virus hit (laughs) to save tens of thousands of people, it sort of went to a white screen, and then the next shot was. Three uh, hermetically sealed CDC chrome coffins out at uh, uh, the, at the grave site, and they were all the same size. And uh, with a contaminated virus body, the coffin is supposed to be fitted to the size of the person so that there's no air for that virus to grow. And so uh, if you look at that final scene, all the coffins are the same size, yet one of the gunmen are shorter than the other two. 
Uh, and that was your order, devious bastard. Is that just some goof by the production manager, or do you think that was planned that way? Or is, well, that, or is that just you finding hope here? <laughs> well, I, I no, because I, I had said that at a convention with one of the art directors uh, from the X-Files. He was backstage, and he came up, and he goes, hey, that's a funny story, because, you know, Chris Carter actually said, because uh, we had made one coffin shorter than the other two, because we knew, you know, CDC, and, the, and Chris oh said, make them all the same size. He planned it. This son of a bitch, he planned it. I knew it. Yeah. I knew I knew you guys weren't dead. I was so happy to see it because I, you know, I did watch that show. I thought that the Lone Gunman was excellent. It was fun. And it, it kind of filled that little gap when the X-Files started to get a little, you know, a little strained. Um, yeah. Long in the it, juice, as we say. It did. It did. You know, I, I still watched it religiously, and I was, I was all, I was all about it. But you know, it did, it did kind of get a little long, and the Lone Gunman did kind of, it kind of softened it a, a little bit for us. And it was nice that they gave you guys such a rousing, heroic end. You know, uh, so you know, you guys earned it. You guys yeah. earned your place, like on this pedestal of sci-fi geekdom, and and uh, just well, can't thank you enough. Well, thank you for that, and and it was funny because I remember distinctly the day I heard I was getting killed off. Uh, I was biking down, uh, and my phone rings, and it's Frank Spotnitz, and he goes, okay, are you sitting down? And technically, I am. I'm on my bike. And he goes, okay, we're killing you off, but it's, but it's going to be a heroic send-off. And I thought, well, that's great because, you know, we heard the last five or six episodes were coming. It was the end of the show. And I thought, what better way to go than just seeing us sort of walk off into the sunset with a stick and a hobo bag or, you know, something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Kind of like a uh, Bruce Banner, in a way. <laughs> kind of like a Bruce Banner. Totally. Yeah. Like a lame Bruce Banner ender that they can't figure out. So, so this was like kind of goes a, on. Blaze, yeah. a blaze yeah. of glory. And we were like, oh, I thought it was great. And, uh, and I was always very supportive of that whole episode and um looking at season 10 um can you give us i actually did buy the um special idw comic-con edition number one x-files oh, comic but i haven't did even cracked it signed no i was i did not get a ticket but it, it's fine it, me talking <laughs> to you is autograph enough you know um and I'm yeah, not going to be. I'm, I'm probably never even going to crack it open because I just want to keep this thing pristine. Um, and so, give us a little. You know, have you been able to to uh, read the whole series yet, or you know, have you been told? Yeah, what's I, gonna I was. Uh, before I uh, I moderated, they gave me uh, uh, PDFs of the next of the first three. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. So, so if you don't want to crack it, and maybe this interview goes really well, it'll. Give me a little uh, email. I'll send I'm you a little you email. email. You know I'm, I'm on that. I'm yep. on that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. He is going That's to no the problem. donate now button as we speak. <laughs> That's, That's about right. a $20 donation if, I, if yeah, I've ever heard Each thing I say, and, uh, and go to that donate now button. That's right. <laughs> and um, for all of you out there that are associated with IDW, he did not sell it to me. I am donating. You know, I don't want you. I don't want to get you in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So in fact, oh, yeah, if you've got I, I, one oh. in front of you, if you just read it to us, that would be wonderful. <laughs> That's a whole other show. We're going to have you read That's a whole every other show, panel. exactly. <laughs> page one, panel one. There's the close up, guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all dark. Um, uh, right. So the first, uh, well, the first episode is uh, they're on a case, 
Well, should I? Uh, well, no, you're going to read it one day. I'll send you. Yeah. The, I'll send you the PDF. Yeah, but the it. second one is where the reveal is of us coming back to life. Already in the a, second edition. All yeah, right. in number two. Let's just get to it. Two. Yeah, they just get, get to it. it. And so, yeah. I think what. Uh, and I talked to Joe Harris, who is the brilliant writer, who's uh, who's he, he's writing like these episodes, and Chris Carter's advising him and stuff like that. And uh, and Joe was like, yeah, you know. The gunmen were such a uh, a great uh, writing solution when you get into certain, you know, paint yourself into a corner or you are, you know, trapped in a government facility or something like that. But, you know, the gunmen's skills of computer hacking, of surveillance, of all these things is such a brilliant way to get you from plot point A to plot point B uh, easily and convincingly and fun. So. And and we really like you guys. You know, let's yeah. not let's yeah. not let's not look look over that very important fact is that we want to see lone gunmen. So well, you know, it's back. really amazing. You know, often over the years we heard chemistry, this word, this elusive chemistry that uh, actors strive for when they're on camera with their fellow actors. And uh, when we first started doing the gunmen, I had not met Bruce Harwood, who played Byers. Till I walked on set, mm-hmm. and it was like him and I were had side by side little uh, not even trailers. We had like these little uh, the four by four squares with a little sink in there. You know, it's like a tiny little room. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the time, we just started chatting. Hey, you know, nice to meet you. And it was and we go, who's the third gunman? And uh, Bruce says, oh, it's the first AD, the first assistant director. He's going to be reading the lines of Frohickey. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What kind of cheap thing is this that they give the assistant director a character? And, and we find out later that he actually had acting training and that, oh, okay. you know, the director know. wanted a short, weaselly look like the first assistant director. So they Like an executive. So, <laughs> like an executive, exactly. So they gave him the part, and then uh, we basically, you know, Hung out, and it was it was so easy having this chemistry with the three of us. Uh, it was it was always a joy to do. There was never friction. There was never ego. There was never anything like that. It was it was uh, basically you. It was the ridiculously easiest acting role in the history of film or television. That's only because you were good at it. So, oh, no. I'll take well that. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. All right. Well, before we let you go, because I know you're busy on the set, yes. but is there any kind of time frame? I understand you still have three marathons left here, but is there any time frame when we could expect the Lady Killers in theaters? Uh, I'm going to say we wrap shooting uh, August 31st, and uh, the uh, the first we're going to take it to film festivals. And so I think we're probably going to Sundance in January. And then from that deal, I'm going to guess if it's per, if everything goes well from here on in and editing and everything as we envision it comes together, uh, generally a sale in January gets you some sort of uh, springtime 2014 uh, theatrical release. 
All right. Well, I'm going to put some money in and cross my fingers, and I have total faith in you to get this done. And then we'll just, uh, I'll feel like I'm joining you on the uh, on the film festival circuit. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's going to be great. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Dean, and everybody out there. If you cannot get enough of this guy, get the comics. And if you can't get enough of the Lone Gunman out of the comics, listen to the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast weekly every Monday. And don't forget theladykillers.com. That's where, Please, you, can, that's right. where you can donate. We've all yep. got to do our part to get this made. I want more Dean on the screen. More ah. Dean on the screen. So thank you again, Dean, for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate you coming here. Thanks and again. Thanks for coming to the panel. That's awesome. Oh, I could. They, I would have broke into that thing. Don't worry. Yep. He's, uh, he's got it all recorded if you need a copy. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thank you, guys. Bye Thank now. You, Dean. Good luck, Dean. All right. That was, a, that was a good interview, I think. Who would have known a lone gunman would know that much? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could, you could tell he was just dying to tell somebody. Uh, well, you know, just because I think people always said that he was the dumb one. So I'm, I was surprised he was so well put yep. together. Yep. Yeah. Who said that? Oh, it's all over the internet. Don't be, don't be naive. No, I don't believe anything I read on the internet. Smart man, smart man. The X Files, you know, they were that that show was the beginning of the geek phenomenon. That was it, you know. And I, you know, Dean kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, I, I think geeks were always around, and they were looking for a place to go. And mm-hmm. we found a home, and you know this this, kinda like this Moses. show kind of brought us out of the shadow. Yeah, so it, like you know, so like David Duchovny and Dean Haglund were like Moses. You heard <laughs> yeah. it here first. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moses and trench coat. All right. So what you know, else we so, got? So I'm, I'm sure we want to hear more of what you know all these crazy things that are going to turn out. So I think it's time for some news. Rita, what do you think? Sure. Sounds good. All right. Hey, hey, Rita, honey, why don't you t- tell me how the fu- fuck is your news this week? Sweet tits. Hey. I'm tired of listening to Tony. I want to hear from Rita. Yeah, you don't <laughs> yes, have to hear inform the whole song. <laughs> um, last week you interviewed Lydia from your favorite show, Breaking Bad. I have a little bit of Breaking Bad related news for this week and very Albuquerque related. Um, right. Supposedly there's a candy store out in Albuquerque that's selling um, fake meth in honor of Breaking Bad this week. It's Ooh, a I've store called the Candy room, Lady. Oh, I know about the <laughs> Candy Lady. No, they said fake meth. <laughs> yeah. oh. Fake meth, yeah. yeah. So, it's well, actually I mean, I rock candy, but it's... Right, but. <laughs> yeah, it comes in the, in the bluish um, shade, the same stuff that they really use as a prop on the show. So if you're in the Albuquerque area, you could stop by the store and pick up some. And I actually know mess. exactly that is on Mountain and Rio Grande Boulevard. I know where the Candy Lady is. It's in the Old Town, and they were um, there was some controversy with them. And when we were kids, we would like go in there because if you go into the Candy Lady store, and it's like this little <laughs> adobe building, you know, it looks like a very New Mexico building. It's a, you know, it's the a one story little tiny thing. You go in there and you make a right, and that's where they have like the like the bachelorette or the bachelor party candy. So there's like lollipop dicks and like big boob cakes. Oh. They had a triple X room. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, they they basically had like this like very controversial little corner in there, mm-hmm. and it wasn't walled off or anything. Like you know, you could just walk in there, you get your fucking strawberry chocolate dips, and then you and then you're you know, there's a vanilla dick lollipop. Yeah. And I think they're still doing that, but they uh. 
they are selling that, and they've gotten in trouble, I think, for it. Or no one's actually told them to stop doing it, but there's been a big to-do. I do not want to live in a country where you cannot buy blue mesh. Penis lollipop. Well, I think because it's not (laughs) lollipop. Yeah, I think that's the big big thing. I don't don't need blue fake mesh candy, but I need penis lollipops. They'll never go away. Something's got to make Well, it, it sounds like show. maybe it'll be some sort of limited edition or something since it's based on the show for Breaking Bad. How many licks does it take? Yeah. You know, well, I actually, a friend of mine bought me some last time I was, about a month ago. Well, thanks for bringing home. me some. Well, I, I had them all in a pocket of my shorts, and then I washed them. Well, oh, I thought so it was one of the one of the little baggies might might still be salvaged. The rest yeah. of them just turned into blue sugar liquid. Uh, thank you so much for bringing, for bringing us that particular bit of news, Rita. What else you got? <laughs> You're welcome. I, I really customized my news this week just for you guys. And um, I, I knew you were from Albuquerque. So in other news, um, I assume you guys are fans of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've heard okay. of those books. So, yes. Wow, geek stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> I customized the news this week. <laughs> well, is there a virgin story later? Oh, <laughs> Tell us about the <laughs> Um, anyway, from Lord of the Rings, the star of the movie, one of the stars, Dominic Monaghan, you know him, and he's been in the news just the past few days. Allegedly, he met a girl at a store about a year ago, and they exchanged phone numbers, and she was, I guess, you know, texting and calling him in hopes of dating him. He basically said that he wouldn't date her. He's just, um, someone who doesn't have to date. He could just sleep around because he's such a famous star. So the, the well, I could do that too, but sometimes you want to have a loving relationship. I, you know, <laughs> you he didn't have time for that. He, he didn't have time for that. He just wanted to get no. down to the business, according to this girl. So she alleges that he bragged about his movies, saying that they had grossed three billion dollars. Allegedly, he called her a ghetto tramp, a dum dum, and supposedly he said that she's riddled with herpes. Now these are all text messages that he. Oh. Has supposedly sent to this girl, and she released to the media. Now, how I does he know just, that she is riddled with herpes? Yeah, he, he said all this, and they hadn't even been on a date yet. Know. You, and, you know what actually is what actually kind of sticks out in that like particular story is that he's taking credit for you know for three billion dollars of of a film gross. You know, that's like giving Carrie Fisher credit for the Star Wars gross. You know what I mean? I mean he's. <laughs> You can't you can't take credit for Lord of the Rings money. Yeah, I probably sunk like a hundred bucks into those movies so far myself. <laughs> I doubt well, he's put not giant one he in. He has it. that money in his personal bank account. No, but that he did. But, but he starred yeah, he in the movie to, that made that much. That under, under his, That's like saying um, Heather Graham was responsible for the take for Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually think yeah, she might have been. She was so okay. High okay. High All right, bad example. I mean, we had a young Heather Graham on roller skates, and fucking, and she. You didn't have a Graham now. She is gorgeous. Oh, yeah, mm. fantastic, and much better looking feet than Uma Thurman. That's all I got. to say. I am not into feet, so regardless, yeah. Yeah. regardless yeah. of who it is. <laughs> okay, all right. Sure. Any more so news basically, she released these text messages to the media saying, "Look at this guy. He's such a scumbag. These are the types of things that he typed to her, that he texted to her." Um, he also claimed that he has $20 million in the bank. How is she living? She's just pissed because she doesn't want him 
to have such great prestige and she'd rather have people know the real him. And his response was he didn't deny writing the text, but he had claimed that the girl has been calling him nonstop for two years and just harassing him. So it's a he said, she said. That's why he's doing well, and, and you know what? You don't you don't really need a he said, she said when it's text messages. There's an actual record of this. So yeah, he, well, he admitted that, and Radar Online did verify that those texts actually came from him. Because, I mean, people could fake a text message, but they, they actually came from him, and he his reason was that the girl's been harassing him for a couple of years. So he's All I keep thinking about when I hear this is uh, he's got $20 million in the bank. I'm thinking he's no Justin Timberlake or Ben Affleck. Oh, no. no. Not at I, all. And, and how is it that we even start talking about Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck? Well, because <laughs> one of our upcoming uh, interviews, uh, Dio, has, is in a movie that's um, going to be coming out called Runner Runner with Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck. Well, why don't Mega we bring. Mega Million Stars. Mega Stars. Um, um, why don't we bring that interview in now? Oh, yeah. You guys want to talk to Dio? I'm sorry. I feel What's bad. Right? I don't know. We do, do you have any more yeah. news, Rita? You can talk to Dio. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Please welcome a true rising star from the box office hit The Hunger Games, the upcoming The Spectacular Now and Slew Hampshire. You'll see him next month in Runner Runner alongside Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake. Now, you'll have trouble with his name at first, but I think American can get used to this. Mr. Dio Okaniyi. Dio, are you there? Yes, I'm here. You, you actually pronounced that very well. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Oh, I think you're just saying that, but that's as close as I'm going to get, so thank you. <laughs> All right, no doubt. Uh, well, thanks for joining us today. I'm uh, I'm Grimshay, sitting here with Marky e and Rico. If you want to say hi, guys. Hello. How you doing, brother? What's going on? What's going on? All right, so you're uh, you're actually born and raised in Nigeria. And you moved to the That's U.S., right. and then suddenly you're in the Hunger Games. If you could just sum that journey up for us in about one or two sentences. <laughs> one or two. Okay, I'll try. Uh, yeah, right. man. Um, basically, grew up in Nigeria, moved to America um, uh, for academic reasons. And um, after I was done with college, I decided to, you know, pack up all my stuff, move out to L.A., didn't know a soul, to become an actor, like every other crazy out here in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have aspirations before you moved to the states, or? Um, you know, it's funny because when I when I was growing up, all while I was growing up, I always loved acting. You know, I was always in plays and always active in you know school drama and theater and all that stuff. But when I actually got the chance to move to America, I decided that I wasn't going to go that route because you know coming to America, I mean, the American dream is, you know, it, 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 it's something that doesn't not a lot of people where I'm from get to partake in. So when I moved, I decided, you know, I'm just you know, I'm going to actually do something real with my life and go to college and all that crazy stuff. But acting is an addiction, an, an addiction. So I decided, you know, I got to, I got to try, see if it happens. If it doesn't happen, you know, I have a degree to fall back on. And if it does, well, you know how that story went. Well, yeah, it, it looks like it's happening. <laughs> yeah, amen. I mean, uh, how did how did you end up in the hunger roles? I mean, that audition process mm. must have been insane with the hype surrounding those books. There was a lot of hype. You know, it's it's the craziest story, and people think, you know, I'm lying when I tell the story, but it, it, the truth of the matter is I just went up to L.A. I'd been out here for a year and a half, and I'd done, like, little student films and whatnot, and through, like, a workshop that where a teacher, you know, told me to go to this other acting class, this other thing, um, somebody introduced me to my managers. You know, it was just one of those 
connected situations. And the Hunger Games was the first audition that they sent me on on during my trial period. Um, yeah, and I only read for the movie once. And, um, yeah, my tape just circled around Lionsgate, and Gary Ross saw the tape, and he was like, yeah, I like this kid. He doesn't have to come back. Just hire him. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling bullshit on that one, too. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe yeah, on everything. That's exactly what happened. I only read for the role once, and when I heard that I was going to get the job, that was the day. Like, well, not the day, but like a couple of days before that, I signed with my managers because they were like, "Look, this looks like it's actually going to happen off of one read, so we might just go on it. We might want to go ahead and just sign a contract that says you're with us, you know, so we can actually do the deal when it goes through." So it was it was pretty freaking crazy, you know. But yeah, that's the way it happened. Well, like I said, if you say so. <laughs> but uh and well and congratulations for that. It's just too damn bad you won't Thanks. be doing any of the sequels. I know. I I definitely got the chop. Dead. Uh, feet on the ground. Only if they do like a you know, a zombie version. I mean Hunger Games two point or something where the the tribute zombie back game. Dead. Yeah. yeah, zombie game. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that I'll out. Yeah, Are you still yeah. close with everybody else from the show? I mean, do you hang out with Jennifer Lawrence a lot? Uh oh for sure. But she, I mean Jennifer She's the hardest working woman in the show business, you know. So, you know, I'm definitely still, you know, text randomly every now and then, but chicks always working, you know. She's super, super busy. Um, but She's I definitely think she's everyone else. Is it, is it Hollywood talk for, like, you know, like, I'm washing my hair? <laughs> no, I mean, this year, like, are you like, trying to get with that? <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, she, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still really good friends with everyone else. It was a really good set. Oh, that's good. Well, I I would be I would be texting her right now instead of talking to us, but that's up to you. <laughs> but she okay, is cool. great. She is like Later. one of the biggest things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good move. Yes, for sure, man. And 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 she has. I know this is weird, but not weird, but just um, I'm not trying to be funny or whatever. But she does have a great personality that matches like how good looking she is. I mean, she is absolutely beautiful inside and out. It's crazy. I I love watching her, and I'll believe you about the personality. That sounds like <laughs> I kind of I kind of don't care at some point. I mean, she is just gorgeous, and I, I saw her in a, you know, her uh, birthday was like a week ago or something, and and it it was yes, shocked. She was she's only twenty three. Can you believe that? Her birthday is actually tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. I, I, thought it was, I think it's today. Oh okay. Oh, I got to get my e. Right around there, you know, I'm I'm not that close with her, so. <laughs> but um, I don't, but yeah, I don't she, get... she turned, she turned 21 when we were making that movie. She turned 21 on set, and I was like, you you were you were 20? It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Did you take her out, get her drunk? No, she went back and learned her lines the next day. She doesn't mess around. Oh, more lies, more lies. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, I'm you not know, gonna uh, incriminate myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, now, some people are saying, uh, and you're also in mm-hmm. Spectacular now, which I think is right. in a few select cities now. It's going to hit nationwide soon. But the star right. of that, uh, uh, Shay Shaylene Woodley. Shaylene. Mm-hmm. Shaylene. Yep. Now, some people, at least some people in this room, are Me. saying that she is. Uh, she's going to be the next Jennifer Lawrence. Now, since you work with both of them, that's what. All right, all right. Well, then take it a step further. Who would win in a fight? Uh, in a fight. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Uh, you went a different way with that oh, one. A fight oh, to the no, death. Oh, 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 
Oh, fight to the death? You don't mean like a mud wrestling thing? Because that's what I was thinking. But, okay, okay. fight to the death. You can answer both questions. Um, that's cool. You know, if it was a mud wrestling, I'd have to call it like a tie and all like, you know, a discontinuation where they have to continue the next day and then I'll probably call it a tie the next day. So they have to go into mm-hmm. a third day and then a fourth day. Um, but in a real fight, man, I don't know. They're like, they're both, they're tough. They're tough broads, man. I mean, you know, they're... Uh, they're both, you know, amazing sweethearts and all that. But, yeah, they're both really tough. I don't know. But definitely Shailene's the next Jennifer Lawrence. There's no question about it. Like, she's – her talent is the real deal. All right. Well, we got confirmation on that. That's five bucks I owe you, Mark. <laughs> That's right. I told you. <laughs> right. now, I know there was an well, argument about that. Oh, I've been, I've been kind of – I've been pumping her up a lot, you know. Like, it's this is mm. – uh, I saw her in uh, that uh, George Clooney movie. What, what's, what's that uh, one called? The Descendants. Uh, yeah, and I just kind of fell in love with that girl, and I said, "Hey, this is you know, she seems to have the chops for big Hollywood goddess, you know." Well, mm, definitely. Yeah, this this spectacular now movie is getting all the uh, all the awards. It's sweeping the festivals. Congratulations to you! But I got to be you. honest, I'm, I watched a trailer for it, and it just seemed to me like a like a long, high production value, like after school special. I didn't see special effects. I didn't well, flood. I didn't well, sell it for us, man. Sell it. Why should I go see this? Why is everybody so in love with this with this damn movie now? Because it's a movie about the true human condition. It's a very you can relate to this movie. Everyone's gone through high school. Everyone has had that awkward phase in high school. You know, we've all had that one girl back in high school that was the greatest one that got away. And every woman we've dated from then has been like, you know, trying to fit that puzzle in our heart that's missing from high school you know it's to me it's just like one of these great movies about real life it's a great slice of life movie and um it's funny that you say it's a you know a high a high well i feel you said the high production value like uh after school special because i mean it's an independent movie you know so it's, it was definitely a labor of love um it, if anything the, the the reason why it looks great in the trailer is testament to james ponto you know he's just a great filmmaker and he, he can he can stretch it out you know so but i just i just think it, it goes back to those movies of yesteryears like the older movies that we kind of fell in love with growing up you know or younger like really nice teen movies not like the glossy you know over the top not like glee you know like to me he's oh, not but i'm sick of those like you know what I mean? Like, whose high school was like Glee with a bunch of kids singing all around the place? Like, <laughs> high school was real, you know, and people went through real emotions back then, you know. And um, But I think it, it's also a great movie because it shows how small-minded we were back then, like how small-minded high school can be. Um, life is much more than that, but it's just funny to watch it. And, and, and you're almost embarrassed because you can remember when you thought stupid things like the characters are thinking, you know. Like, high school is the end-all, be-all of everything, and it really is not. That's that's actually what I was uh, kind of thinking about. You know, I don't know if I necessarily want to go back to that era. Yeah, I don't know, know if you're <laughs> still on this. It sounds like it's going to be an awkward experience. It is, but, but it's great because it's not your awkward experience. You're watching other people's awkward experience. <laughs> I get to laugh at the pain of others. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, right. Phrase that way. All right, I'll go giggle my ass off at these kids. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. So uh, you're doing that, which is an indie movie. After you've come off the mm-hmm. Hunger Games, and then uh, I'm on a, I'm I'm on this whole I don't want to say kick, but a kick about Kickstarter funded movies like uh, mm. like Slew Hampshire, which I've heard mm. great things mm-hmm. about. And I, I I go ahead and spoil it for us if you want, but can you just tell us what makes this movie stand out in horror movies? 
Because I know it's first not a all, typical court. <laughs> yeah, first of all, the title slanchers, I mean, come on. Like, that's again, that's why that. I started reading up. the history of film, you know. So, um, but it, it, funny enough, like that movie I actually shot a really long time ago, and you know they're just been trying to uh, put that together. But it's it's very pulpy. Like it's, it, I I think it has that it has cult classic potential because it's it's um it's a horror movie, but the dialogue is absolutely incredible in the movie. It's pretty funny, but it's it's um it's by Adam Reed, this filmmaker called Adam Reed, and he's you know, a really, really dope, young, up-and-coming writer-director. So, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. There's there's Vikings in it. There's there's mystical... I mean, it, it, the movie is pretty much it's very out there. There's, there are Vikings. There's Vikings in a horror movie? Viking lore. Yeah. Our, 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 the, the, the antagonist is, is Norwald, this mystical Viking creature. Trust me. Like, it's going to blow people's minds. Well, I don't think I've I've ever seen you know, and you you are the star. Your face is on the poster. That's right. Of it. I don't yeah, think I've yeah, ever seen right. a horror movie that stars a black guy right from the beginning yeah. to the end. So congratulations <laughs> I know, right? on it, that. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it defies horror movie stereotypes right there. I know, like that. That, but, but what you guys don't know is like you know, just like um, Place Beyond the Pines, like Ryan Gosling and I die in the first fifteen seconds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for but, the um, yeah. <laughs> No, I don't. Oh, that's good. I've even been to New Hampshire and I haven't seen a black guy there, period. Yep. So, I know, right? Who is this random guy? You are breaking barriers left and right up there. Good for you. And maybe that's the whole reason why they made a uh, horror movie out of it. That's all the locals, they kind of freaked out. They saw him on the streets and they just freak out. That's, that, that may be the whole premise of this whole movie. I'm, I'm trying to piece it together, that's all. You know, oh, okay, throw cool. a, little, a little skiing in there. I think you might have the, you might have it. But then, and, and right after you do this, now you go in back to the major, you know, like studio funded blockbuster. I know you're going to be right. uh, with Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake in this Runner Runner. You seem to be mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the map. Are you just taking every bit of work they throw at you, or can you? Funny, like, and, you can, oh. funny enough, no. I mean, we're we're. You know, the team, we've been pretty choosy. I mean, after Hunger Games, a lot of the stuff that was coming my way were very strong, silent type. You know, they want strong, silent type. Um, Which, because I did NBC Revolution right after Hunger Games, and it was very, you know, it was exactly the same character. It was just Thresh, you know, and, and, you know, we were kind of getting scared about that. So, you know, we just decided we were going to do something completely different. We're going to go a completely different route. And then I did Prairie Dogs, which is a comedy right after that. And then I did... Um, like for instance, Spectacular Now wasn't written for an African American character. Neither was Runner Runner. Like Runner Runner was supposed to be like an Indian PhD guy. And I went in and I fought for that role. And I read with Brad Furman. And I was like, you know, managed to convince them to make the character African American. So it's like we've definitely been trying to, you know, going for things that are completely different. Or Endless Love, which I just wrapped like a couple of weeks ago um, in Atlanta. It opens Valentine's Day next year. He's like. You know, happy-go-lucky, life of the party, ridiculous guy. So, yeah, we're trying to just do everything. You know, we're going for the Johnny Depp career. You know what I mean? Hmm. Well, yeah. good luck on that on that trajectory. I hope you're not in the Lone Ranger, too. Yeah. <laughs> the Johnny <laughs> Depp career minus the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know Johnny. what happened with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I think we've uh, we've got some email questions yeah. coming in here, yeah. Marky. I think you've got uh, well as soon as the old email account. As soon as you say you got a guy from 
Hunger Games on your show. We get we we do get a lot of questions. Um, oh. So we have um, Carla from Houston wants to know uh, who were your acting influences and what did you do to get in shape for your role as Thresh? Oh man, acting influences. I could I could give you a list forever. Um, Denzel Washington was huge in my life. Like he's very polarizing. Definitely somebody that when I watched, I was like, oh, that's what I like. I want to do that. Um, yeah. You know, Josh Brolin, I really dig. Russell Crowe is awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, those guys to me are the real actors, and I'm not really a big fan of the <laughs> Robert Pattersons or the, you know, Zach Efron's. Like, I look I look to the older, older generation for my inspiration. Yeah. In terms of getting right. in shape for uh, for Hunger Games, man, they had us doing everything. Uh, first of all, I, I had just come off the stupid diet. Usually I'm around 180, 185, but I was around 163 when I got cast in the role. Wow. So I had to put on a lot of good weight. So I was eating a lot of chicken breasts, and I was doing, you know, uh, uh, metabolic training, you know, as well as uh, fight choreography because there was a lot of fight training in the movie. So And they trained us with every weapon imaginable. Like it was swords, daggers, staff fighting, Wing Chun Kung Fu, boxing. Like it was literally everything because... They, you know, they were really secretive about the script, so we didn't know what kind of weapons we were going to be fighting with in the movie. So they just trained us in everything. Um, yeah, it was two months of hell, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and I have um, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, since, since you brought up Hunger Games again, did you read mm-hmm. that book beforehand? Absolutely. And so, yeah. and not just like after you did the reading and then you go home and you and you bought the book, but you actually read it before you went in at all. Yes, I as soon as I heard I was gonna you know as soon as I heard I was gonna read for the movie with the casting director, I definitely got my hands on the audio book actually, and I listened to that like overnight, <clears throat> literally. Mm-hmm. And then the next, I think I had like two days after that, and then I went in and auditioned for it. So I definitely knew the whole story before I went to my first audition. Did uh, yeah. did you see any differences between uh, the the Thresh character as it was written, and then how you ended up playing him, or how they had had you play him? No, I mean he was. He, he, I, I think in terms of transition, like it, the character was is completely what you get is what you see from the movie and the books. If anything, the books just give a little bit more background as to what his family life was like, like his you know because in the books it shows when he got reaped and. The last time he was with his mother and his sister and promising them that he'd come back. So, if anything, the book just gave more of a motive for him to win the games. In the book, there is a reason for him to win the games as opposed to the movie where it's just really a selfish thing. Like, he's just trying to win to so he doesn't die. You know, he just wants to make it out alive. But I think the book, just, the book had more of a motive as to why he wanted to win the games, but pretty much the character was exactly the same. And everything that was in the books, you know, is in the movie for my character. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's official. I don't have to read the book now. Yeah, good. I don't have to read it. Um, Excellent. Jackie from SoCal wants to know if you participated in the Hunger Games conventions called Creation Fan Convention, and what was your best convention story? Oh, wow. Yes. In fact, I did participate in those conventions. Conventions are the best. Like, people who go to conventions, they're the salt of the earth. God bless them. Um, you know, they come dressed up, and, you know, they're super enthusiastic and all that. Really, just meeting the people, to me, is amazing. Like, when you meet somebody who has the most elaborate, you know, Katniss outfit or Thresh outfit, and then they tell you about how 
painstakingly long it took them to make every single part of the outfit. Fantastic. Mm. Love oh, it. come on, Dio. Yeah. This is uncensored. You can, you can actually tell the real story. <laughs> I've been to oh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. got to be everybody so, who works conventions has a creeper story. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. What I is mean, your creeper story? Uh, they find out what, where your hotel. Okay, because oh, usually conventions are in the same hotel, are in the hotel that you're staying at. So you know, you wake up in the morning to go for breakfast, and there's underwear hanging on your door. You know, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So you still my thing. Yeah. Well, it makes the hookers a lot easier to get. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um. And uh, I think um, Rico here has a little game for you to play. Um, Rico, did you have uh, a chance to think about yeah, well, that? Yeah, well, we, what we, we do a lot of times <laughs> on the show is a uh, is F, marry, kill. I don't know if you heard of this. You have to F one, you have to marry one, you have to kill one. Oh, I one. love this game. All right, there we go. All right. So we're, we're going we're gonna to do, um, you know, we'll, we'll start out. We'll do, we'll do a, maybe a couple, see if we have time. We'll do uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Charlie and Willie, and um, we heard you had a little, uh, your first crush was uh, Sofia Vergara. Oh, damn. Where'd you guys hear that from? Oh, we got, we got uh, a first yeah, crush. Never, never you mind. That's, that's on my first crush. I, I still hit it now. Oh, so would I. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who okay. Oh. okay, so, okay, so it's, it's, it's who would I fuck, who would I uh, marry, and then who marry. would I kill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Of those three. Okay. Oh damn, that's hard as hell. First of all, I gotta decide who I'm gonna kill. Damn it, that's hard. Well, <laughs> as much as I love Sophia, you know, she, you know, she, she's gotta go because she's old. So I'm, I'll kill her. All right, I will fuck right. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. And <laughs> nice. I, I will marry Shailene Woodley. All right, those are the, that's the that's exactly the same answers I had. Bang. Sure. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. I was a little right. surprised. Killed Sophia. Right. But I now, now I'm going to totally flip it on you right now because you're, you're going to be in Runner Runner. So I'm going to give you Ben Affleck, Justin Timberlake, and Anthony Mackie. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, no, you have I'm, to play uh, the game, man. You're, this you're is right. hypothetical, but it, you know that's that's what it is. You got the, you got some. Okay. It's part of Hollywood, okay. man. Fuck Mary Kill. Well. Anthony Mackie's a brother, and I think we'll make some nice chocolate babies, so I'll marry him. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, I got you know, brothers, we got to stick together. And then mm-hmm. I'll probably, oh, no, man. I'll, this <laughs> is so retarded. Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll have sex. I, I'm not going to tell fuck. I'll have sex <laughs> with Justin Timberlake, and then I'll kill him. Uh-huh. I, I would pick, I would pick that, too. That seems right. <laughs> if, if I had to go for go that way, out of the three of them, I, I think JT would be uh, make it make it the most worth your while, I guess. But no, I, I I would actually think that I could just kind of take it from him. That's all. That's it's just that's the way that it would have. Like if well, I have you know of all those three, I'm like he seems like the kind of the weakest one. So if I had to. Oh. the weakest one. <laughs> so then, oh like, boy. Just, Old Ben Affleck barehanded. I guess so. You know, I Ben could so. probably hey, Ben, ben Affleck back. saved the world from asteroids. Yeah, <laughs> yep. indeed. That he did. Yeah, I'm sorry, you got to die. You know, Anthony Mackie saved us from IEDs or whatever the whatever it was that blow up in uh, Afghanistan. And <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 
And he, and he helped usher Eminem into the world, so I mean, maybe you should not like him for that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I like him, man. Look, look, I'm African. I got, I got to bring a. If, if I'm going to bring a dude home, at least if he's black, I think my friend accept it. I can't be bringing home some white guy. <laughs> no one can understand that. That's double whammy right there. Yeah. Oh, this, this reminds me of college. I know it's just ridiculous. Um, I'm All done right. with this well, game because I don't think I can top that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think we've already uh, beat the hell out of this game. So, uh, And honestly, I think I agree with all the answers, too. Well yeah. done. Good job. Uh, all right. Now, tell me honestly, Dio, do you feel yourself yep. getting more famous every time you make a movie? Do I feel myself getting more famous? Yeah. Do you um, little, every time one comes out, you get uh, you know an extra bagel down at the grocery store or something? <laughs> Actually, no. I, 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 listen, I'm, I still live in extreme. I'm actually pissed off. I'm not. I'm just kidding. But like, uh, <laughs> no, I, I live a very relatively normal life. You know, I'm you know pay my rent, carry out my trash, take my car to the car wash. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's about it. Right. The ladies, the ladies got super friendlier. Now that that's what I was driving. Yeah, on. what's the? Uh, honest. Yeah, no what's the that. status there, man? What do you mean? What's the status? I'm 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 single and ready to mingle always. Mm-hmm. Anybody uh, we might know of? Come on, on your man! Head I'm not gonna uh, that. You right. gotta say it. Come on, what is it? Come on, I, what is it? I think you're you're oh, a yeah. couple shades yeah, like yeah, anyway, Mark. I'm, I'm, if I, no? if I, if I no. told you, uh-huh. like, if I'll start getting calls from my publicist. It's gonna get messy. TMZ will get wind of it. It'll be crazy. <laughs> Uh-huh. I, I, so you're really saying it's like so you're PM. saying it's a big deal then, right? <laughs> Whoever this person is. Uh, you're saying uh, well, uh, this. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm reading Jodie Foster here. Jodie Foster? Hell yeah! The threesome <laughs> with Jodie and another chick. I'm down. No, well that's <laughs> yeah. That that actually would have to happen. You know, and I don't think Jodie would do it otherwise. Oh, no. she would. Uh, <laughs> You'll make it so. That's how it is. Absolutely. That's a fact. All right. So, uh, what else you got next? Because I know you're blowing up. There's got to be, you know, if you're filming summer blockbusters for next year, they got to be rolling in now. Tell us, what are we going to be looking for? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we've talked about Spectacular now that comes out. Uh, like, it's already out, basically. And then um, Caveman is a movie I did with Skylar Aston from Pitch Perfect and Kenny Warmold from um, Footloose and Chad Michael Murray that's also going to come out later in the year as well as we talk about Runner Runner and then I have um, Endless Love coming out Valentine's Day next year so I'm really just in promoting mode right now just yeah. promoting, promoting, promoting and you know always got my eye open for the next thing so we'll see we'll see what happens some juicy stuff in the work stuff that I can't well, talk about we caught you at the right time and yes uh, we'll give you one more chance to change your mind and talk about the juicy stuff <laughs> no, I'm trying to no. make sure I'm a freak, and my publicist she loves me, man, because I'm I'm the least of her worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I you're right. We tried all afternoon to find some horrible dirt on you. We got nothing. We got nothing. Give nothing. nothing. Okay. So, all right, well done then. Well done. Uh, you have to get working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you make guys some for having noise. Me. Appreciate it. Make some noise. Yeah, you've got a few <laughs> movies under your belt. You can embarrass yourself now. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no. You don't get the big role till you've been to rehab a couple times. That's right. You know you're That's right. right. I'm gonna go get back right now. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, thanks thanks for joining us, uh, Dio. I know we're going to be hearing your name a lot in the future. I'm very glad we got to talk to you now because I'm sure in a couple of years you won't return our calls. <laughs> Never. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Thank care, you again. Man. So Thank everybody so be on the hey, lookout. Uh, keep your eyes open for Cavemen. The Spectacular Now should be in your area or there very soon. Runner Runners coming out next month and Endless Love next Valentine's Day. Seems coincidentally perfect. Thank you, Dio. Bye. Take care. Peace out, guys. Interview is done. Boom. Let's go back to the news. All right. News, Rita? Okay. And my last bit of news was uh, DC comic related. I saw an article online um, really about why there hasn't been a Wonder Woman movie. After all the success of all the other movies, um, I guess there was an interview with um, DC Entertainment Chief Diane Nelson. She said Wonder Woman movie has been on the top three priority list at Warner Brothers Filmmaking for a number of years, but nobody's gotten around to what type of storyline it would follow. They said that Wonder Woman has so many facets to her story. She was successful on TV, but never on the big screen. And then they did try to do a new TV show, I think it was last year, but it was Mm. never picked up. So there's just been constant problems with trying to get um, someone chosen for the role having a storyline, having a costume. They're they're even, you know, debating what type of costume she should have because the other one was so outdated. It sounds and like a the, whole bunch of excuses to me of why they're just <laughs> trying to not No, no, no. To things, be fair, the TV Wonder Woman apparently. had diapers. She did have diapers. Had what? Yeah. Oh, diapers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they, they do so need to address to that. Update the, yeah, they'd have to update the costume. And the rumor is that there'll be a Justice League movie from Warner Brothers um, potentially in 2017. So maybe that would be the kind of intro to Wonder Woman that fans would get to see as she'll be on the ensemble cast. I think if no one's going to do anything, (laughs) Cinemax should pick it up and do a softcore Wonder Woman. A Femme Fatale version of Wonder Woman. Well, actually, mm. I think I just read like a week ago, uh, some porn company out here in California got sued by uh, Marvel or DC or maybe all of them for uh, releasing a bunch of parody comic porn. You can't. They had to, and they had I don't to think you can get. I don't so, think that'll stick with. Par- I think parody is is protected. But yeah, I could be wrong. Up for grabs. Yeah, well, apparently, yeah, they they took it to court, and court said no, you can't do it. Well, and uh, I have a little bit of that trademarks or something. Um, about probably about four years ago, Joss Whedon, who we all know did the okay. Avengers movie, and he's just a mega big name you know guy right now, but he was actually penned or he was he penned a script hired to write for, the screenplay, yes, right? Yeah, and um, it it got shut down, and you know, and if yeah. there's anybody that could make a script for Wonder Woman, it would be this guy who has a history of writing strong female characters. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He did Firefly, which had a lot of uh, female, you know, uh, tough characters in it, and he couldn't pull it off. And I think it just kind of shows that, you know, Wonder Woman. They even would have wanted him to direct it. Yeah, Yeah. and and they turned it and they said no. They said they passed on it, and that just shows you how tough of a character Wonder Woman is to put on the big screen. It's it's hard to take her seriously. I think it's hard to put a real world spin. Yeah. Well, if you can't get the king nerd to do it, and let me tell you, Joss Whedon knows the bitches. (laughs) Well, and I think like you know you can you can kind of look at it like um, Thor, like that barely worked. That movie barely worked to me, 
And it's going to be kind of like that. It's going to, by the skin of your teeth, uh, Wonder Woman will be on the big screen. Oh, well. I, I agree with you. I'm not a, see, I'm not a comic book guy. Yeah. So Thor didn't really do it for me. It was kind of like, oh, you know, okay. okay. Mm. Well, you no, know, like, uh, I mean, uh, it had Natalie Portman. Which was good. But, you know, like um, uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man, you know, Captain America all have like this kind of science fiction element to it. You know, like it's all based in science. Iron Man, you know, it's all kind of science related. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, uh, I'll technology. be honest with you. That is Iron Man is all about um, what's his name? Oh, I can't even remember his name right now. Robert Downey Jr. The guy, Iron Man. What's his name? Robert Downey Jr. Jr. That he he that guy is just one of the the great actors of our generation. Well, he's oh, a little he, older than us, but he for sure well, makes it work. He's fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. You know. Oh, I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, he just. You know, I mean, he went and he resurrected himself, and is just just as good as he ever was. And he, you know, and to take a role like that, where it's where you know the, these so a lot of these these roles that come from comic books or whatever are bigger than life itself, and he just makes it so effortless. You know, I mean, he's not he's not I, really that much of a cocky guy in real life, but he just. He, com- he that just that comes across so genuine in that movie. He has he he has something to actually work work with there. I mean, put Robert Downey Jr. as Thor, and it's a complete disaster. You know, it's just you know Thor's a whole other thing, and you know, and it's it's like that whole fantasy kind of script, you know, and that's why you know Thor's kind of hard to kind of swallow. And I think the the because you're on because it's sound, yeah you're right it does it's it's it goes from science and you know people relate to like okay like. This guy, like you know, like it's it's the age old thing. Like guys want to be him, and women want to be with him. It's you know, like he's just you know a <laughs> yeah. guy that just smart and does stuff and gets shit done and and builds things and blows shit up and you know drives a freaking an Audi and whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you know, and is uh, trying to bang Gwyneth Paltrow and yeah, yeah, and yeah. whatnot. He's but the actor himself puts a lot into that. Whereas I think you know, yeah, but then Thor. Under that hood, I'd, yeah, that's still be a good movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. and Thor is just—it's like, oh, there's a rainbow bridge. I'm like, oh, is there going to be Care Bears or or Lucky Charms at the end of the bridge? What? Well, I don't well, understand but, what's going on, guys. And that's like the whole reason why I even bring it up is that would be Wonder Woman. Like, there's really just no place there. You cannot ground that script, and mm-hmm. that's that's the trouble is that we all want kind of a realistic spin on our superheroes now, you know, and it's just hard to do with a Wonder Woman. So that's the only well, reason I why think, I bring it up. What might I think what would probably work actually work the best, which is like the new, the new thing with these comic books and superheroes, and even a lot of stuff, even like the newer James Bond movies and stuff like that, is is the dark side. I think I think that would what I can envision working the best with Wonder Woman would be not so, you know, I, I mean it's portrayed in 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 the again I'm not a comic book guy, you know, like the. The TV show and whatnot, it's, you know, it's like, it's sexist and it's this and it's cheesy and it's, you know, whatever. Like, but if you take it the other way and the femme fatale kind of way and, and, and the Kill Bill kind of way and, and make her gritty and dirty and dark and, and, and broken. Oh, but like then it's so would the fans want that, or is that opposite of who she right. is? Right, then it's actually not that. Wonder Woman anymore. So, you know, you're going to have to walk a really tight line. And, again, Joss Whedon couldn't do it, or he couldn't sell it. 
And, you know, because of it, he goes on to do The Avengers, and it's the greatest movie of all time, you know, or the highest grossing movie of all time. So uh, good good for Joss Whedon. Um, you know, go, Joss, go. Go, Joss, go. Um, so, yes, and with that, we have a great interview lined up. Uh, who are we, who we, who we talking to? Uh, well, if you guys don't mind, we're going to talk to Vivian Bang. Vivian Bang is next. Yes, uh, co-star on Sullivan and Son on TBS. Uh, basically just a big a big studio for stand-up comedians to hang out, as far as I can tell. Uh, who else does that star? Oh, God, that's got Steve Byrne. Uh, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll go oh. over more of it in the interview. But it's Steve Byrne's show. It has one of those, um, it has one of the Murrays. Oh, yeah, Brian Doyle Murray, I love the, the oldest of the Murray brothers. He, you know, he, he wrote Caddyshack. Well, there you go. He he might have, should have retired then. Yeah, they, they, when they were younger, they spent a lot of time on golf courses, both of them. Well, well I, you know, the, the, you know, him and Bill and, and whatever. Like, that's where that kind of came from. Yeah, and I think I think Bill still does. But well, and oh yeah, he is. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan. That, you know, of of uh, you know other of, of Murray. So you know, it's oh, it's for sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, a Murray will never have to buy a drink around me. That's all I know. Oh yeah, I yeah, promise. So you. if you hear that, guys, Bill, you know, all of them, you know, next party buying. we're buying. <laughs> yep. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We have mm-hmm. Vivian Bang. You know, who most of you uh, may know both from Jim Carrey's Yes Man, where she played Sue Me, mm-hmm. and I uh, that. <laughs> most recently, and uh, still ongoing, is the show on TBS Sullivan and Son. I want to know more about that, and I bet she's the one to ask. So let's get her out here. Hi, I Vivian. like the way you say Sue Me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should have seen my face as I said it. Yeah, yeah. it was quite structured. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, thanks for I having do. me. Oh, oh, not at all. Now, uh, we'll just cut right to the chase here because I think most people are going to want to talk about Sullivan and Son mm-hmm. on TBS, uh, which I have been introduced to, and I notice I I take it as a as a real throwback to those old 80s raunchy sitcoms like Night Court <laughs> and such, where you just go for the All big the laugh family. and you don't stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, it's so another thing, well, that's that's what I want to talk about, actually, is it seems like such a boys club. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got so <laughs> many male stand-ups, first of all, and they're bad enough, like Roy Wood Jr., Steve Byrne, of course, Ahmed Ahmed. Yeah, I remember, Owen like, Benjamin. the first day on, yeah, Owen Benjamin, um, yeah. Um, I remember, like, the first day I came to the table read, and it was like, you know, they're already all friends, Steve and Roy and Ahmed Ahmed and Owen, and I had no idea, you know, going into it that they were already, you know, friends. And I don't know if you know about the stand-up comedy world, but they all know each other. It's such an incestuous pool, you know, and they perform (laughs) every night, and then they drink together every night. So it's a very close camaraderie that they have. And it's cool. It's like an energy and chemistry that they already brought on. So it was very infectious for all of us. Good, good. I'm glad it wasn't like a like a hindrance or anything to walk into something. Oh, no, not at all. It was like walking into some family and you're like, okay, now I've got brothers. Because <laughs> I don't have brothers. I've, never, I've always wanted brothers, but... You know, I have a sister, a younger sister, but um, I've always wanted, like, an older brother. So it works out perfect because now I have five <laughs> or more. 
Yeah, that sounds like overkill. <laughs> but one of them is um, oh, uh, Brian Doyle. Brian Murray. Doyle Murray. What is yeah. what is it? Brian like being, Doyle Murray. What's it like being in the in the room with this guy? I mean, he is he is comedy legend. legend. Yes. What's yeah. it like working with this guy? Well, when I first met him, you know, I was so intimidated, and that's the thing about this this ensemble. I mean, there are so many people that are established. Dan Loria, Brian Doyle Murray, um, Christine Ebersol, Judy Long, you know, they've all been in the business for so such a long time, you know, both on stage and on Broadway from plays and, you know, he wrote Caddyshack and, mm-hmm. and so it was a little bit intimidating going in and then, I mean, honestly, as soon as you start rehearsing with them on stage, they are such professionals, and there are no egos, and he's just like, you know, he's like, you got to relax, kid. You know, if they gave me a sitcom, you know, it, it's going to be okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he's so, how do you say, so he's so laid back, you know. He's just like one of the one of the peeps, and um, they just, there are no egos. We, we all focus on the work. We eat lunch together, like, you know, like we're in school. <laughs> Um, nobody hides out in their rooms, you know, we, we watch each other rehearse. I mean, it's such a, it's such a great ensemble. I really do feel like it's like a fun family. And I think that's why you see the chemistry sort of translate on screen, you know, because we're all such like kind of crazy weirdos that don't seem to fit together, but we're in this family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, to take this uh, family metaphor to the next level and especially the boys club and the ego idea, it seems like maybe the dad would be Vince Vaughn. Well, he isn't on screen, yeah. but he is, uh, he's, he's touted as the big producer. Does he yes. have to come down and, and crack is... the whip? or? <laughs> no, I mean, he's such a nurturer. Um, I tell this story all the time, but I remember one of the first um, uh, one of the first episodes we shot after we were picked up from the pilot, um, it was kind of challenging scene for me because I had to deal with the gun. And I remember I was having a little trouble because everybody had their ideas about the gun. And I don't know, when you see a gun enter a stage, sometimes it, in comedy it, it, it's either not very funny or, you know, yeah. it's a total flop. And the director had his idea and the writers and producers they were all sort of giving me different directions. And I, and Vince Vaughn, he was so, you know, he's, He's always there. Whenever he can be there, he's present watching our, uh, you know, during our live tapings. He's there behind the screen and, you know, watching every move. And he came behind stage after, you know, this kind of intense um, scene. And he came up and he's like, I just want you to know you're doing a great job, you know. And if ever, and, and everybody else has their own issues, you know. It's not about you. And, and that kind of encouraging, you know, this has been fun. I mean, he's like a yeah, hero of mine. And, he comes up behind me and says this, and, and that's sort of like sort of the nurturing and the leadership that he has. He, you know, he sort of provides this really welcoming place and supportive um, place to work, which is why I think that energy sort of trickles down to all of us as well, because it starts at the top. Oh, that is that is refreshingly surprising. It's not, I think, what yeah, most people would expect from Vince Vaughn's personality. I just That's expect awesome. him to be so laid back. I'm like, how could this guy produce anything? I mean, he, it seems, <laughs> you know, he's, and this is not a knock on him. It just seems like everything comes easy for this guy. And a lot of times when you get that kind of persona, you know, when good things seem to happen to people all the time, you kind of think it's easy for them. Usually the truth is they work pretty damn hard for it. 
Yeah, and he works incredibly hard. Um, even during the shooting of this pilot, you know, he's not only is he just our producer in Maine, but he's there. I remember um, I had to audition like five times to get this role, and they sort of announced to me that everybody, the network and studio, you know, they all agreed that they wanted to cast me. I was so excited, but they were like, but we still have to wait for the final word from Vince Vaughn. He's going to have to watch your tape. You know, oh, and you no. can't watch it right now because he's in Atlanta shooting a movie, you know. So, like, <laughs> while he's shooting his own movie, um, I think it was an internship, at, you know, in Atlanta. He, yeah. after he's done with the full eight-hour, 14-hour day, you know, he's going back to his hotel probably and, like, watching all the audition tapes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I thought that is just, that's so crazy and whenever he's not shooting or working on his own projects he's behind and he's at our table reads. Yeah. he's you know at the tapings of our show and i mean full support all the way he's he his work ethics i mean it's just yeah he works really hard <laughs> yeah huh. well and and the, for some of our listeners that may have not what caught this show? I mean, everybody's seen the commercials for this show. <laughs> They're, uh, this is on. <laughs> I see a commercial for this show on every time. Um, TBS says it's very funny. TBS is telling us that the, that this show is 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 very, very very funny. But can you kind of tell us? You know, um, I know what the premise of this show is. Uh, Grim here knows what the premise. What is the story here? And kind of walk us through it a, a little bit. And and where does yeah, your character so- fit in? <laughs> so Sullivan and Son is about um mainly it's about my brother um who's played by Steve Byrne. Um he was a high powered attorney living the fast life in New York City and then he comes to visit um his hometown. He comes back for my father's birthday party, which I, Susan, his sister, has planned to achieve, you know, with the speeches and all. Um and he sort of comes back and he realizes that he, how much he misses his community, you know, his friends, the family, and the hometown, and sort of everybody sort of knowing each other and, and their business. And so my dad announces at his birthday party that he is going to retire and sell the bar, and Steve um, buys the bar and decides to run it and give up his whole, like, New York attorney life. So he... Um, so then he, so the show is about this bar, um, which is like run by the family because um, I don't know if you know about like Asian moms, but um, Asian peeps do, you know, <laughs> do not have any boundaries <laughs> and they are sort of in your face and all the time involved. And so even though the, the bar is, you know, technically owned by Steve, um, my mother, sort of played by um, Jody Long, Chow's character, is constantly there, and so is Dan Gloria, who plays Steve's dad. Uh, oh, because we're actually half Korean, half Irish. And, see, and um, so mm-hmm. that is see that is the kind of joke is that it's called Sullivan and Son, and Sullivan it sounds yeah. like a very Irish name to me, mm-hmm. but his son does not look, you know, very Irish. And and that is the actual <laughs> joke, is that you got this guy who's the son and you know, he's got the dark hair, you know, and he he, yeah. he looks he looks Asian, you know. Um yeah. that's the 
But the funny the thing is, a lot of um, the Koreans are the Irish of the Asian culture. They <laughs> <laughs> have very much in common. Or actually, we like to say we're like the Italians of Asians as well. I mean, whatever. I mean, we love to drink. We are soulful Asians, you know. Our food's spicy. Our, you know, everything about us is just, you know, to the extreme. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's also part of our show. Um, the bar is full of different multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational <laughs> characters, and it is a very Americana show where it's like, you know, the Asian and Irish come together and, and make babies, and now we're Americans, you know? Yeah. So it's really cool because we get to address different cultural issues, different social issues, and sort of talk about what is actually affecting our lives. You know, we even have exactly. an election. Yeah, and, we had like and, an election isn't last it, Oh yeah, I just saw that one actually. I, it, it, it uh, I guess it is a definite slice of Americana. Well, and I, yeah. I, I think that when you're um, a, a important part of any kind of social place like that, like a, a bar where you get your like your regulars, is that even with the mix of different you know groups of people, everyone is just ribbing on each other. There's all kinds of those jokes you know floating around, and you know yeah. when you're in that kind of group, people take it and kind of run with it. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's just no hard feelings and things like that. And it's, uh, also because we are family. I mean, right. as a collaborative, as a community, we are a family. We've known each other so long. I think one of the most racist, um, characters at the bar is played by Brian do Doyle Murray as mm -hmm. Hank. And he has, you know, he's been at that bar for, in his entire life, you know, he's probably yeah, been that Steve and Susan and, you know, has, you know, helped us to, you know, with all of our he's, school functions and whatnot. So he's, he's like part of the community, but of course, you know, his views and point of views yeah. are so skewed and he's a racist. You know? He's, he's uh, he is, left the bar. He is Archie Bunker, basically. <laughs> yes, he's Archie he Bunker at the bar. <laughs> I mean, you can only get away with it because there is love there and because there is a connection and, and because you are family. You know, you can only make fun of your own sort of. So I feel like we sort of establish this world where we are a very tight community that have each other's backs. And I think because there is heart, you know, in the show, we can get away with this dialogue and being able to poke fun at, you know, larger issues because, because we've established relationships. Sort of. And that is that is important. And using the heart is again to go back to all in the family again. That's that's kind of how how they got away with it. Although yeah. you know, <laughs> look back at all in the family as as many boundaries as they pushed and barriers that they broke down. I don't recall much about the them getting. Uh, maybe it was even more taboo then, but they never really got into the arena of Asian Americans which is something this show yeah, obviously dives right into, and it's a more of a hot topic in our culture now. Yeah. And I'm I just wondering what your more... take on that is, as of being American first and also being mm -hmm. Asian. I know you probably well, had to you know, do an accent for a lot of roles that you've had before, and that's got to drive yeah. you crazy. <laughs> yeah, like for Yes Man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love playing um, people with accents because there are immigrant characters, and, um, even in Los Angeles, I think Koreatown sort of takes over. I don't know if you know Los Angeles, but like, well, you know, I was most just of, there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of Los Angeles is Koreatown. 
<laughs> we like to go for more and more. There are so many Korean billboards, so many Korean restaurants, you know. So I just feel like immigrant life is part of is part of being American, and um, exclusive. You know, it's so. I think I think being. I mean, I came here when I was seven, actually, with my parents, and I remember the first day of going and being assimilated into this culture and. Uh, my first step was to sort of forget my own identity because I was trying so hard to, you know, assimilate into American culture and what I thought Americanism was, you know. But now mm. I see that more and more of what Americanism is is to sort of bring in your different cultures and to, you know, have different kinds of foods and different, you know, languages. And, you know, it's like all-encompassing. So I feel, I feel especially with entertainment that more people are – you know, welcoming of seeing multicultural people on, you know, full screen. I, I like uh, just Wolverine, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. Pacific Rim, like all these box office hits. I mean, they're all full of Asian Americans being portrayed on the big screen. And I think people are seeing that, okay, this is a voice and, and um, a realm where, you know, people are really open to accepting and yeah, I think the American public especially is finally opening up to the idea of there being a global culture. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I, for one, before we let you go, want to thank you for helping to make that happen, mm-hmm. even in the little corner of TBS. You're doing, you're oh doing, my gosh, thank you're doing you. great work. Yeah. It's so much fun, and it's great to have, like, you know, amazing people to work with. I mean, the writers are so talented. Rob Long, he's been you know, P- Peter Billingsley, I mean, they've, they've all been in the business for so long, and, and they're such hardworking people, and it's a, it's a true, like, love fest on our set. Good. And, and you know what? It comes through when you watch it. All right, thank well, you. thank you so much for your time, Vivian. Uh, everybody out there, do not forget to watch Sullivan Son on TBS. Uh, I imagine just about every 25 minutes or so. That's what, what I think. I've been and, up, and if so. you miss it there, you could TiVo it, catch it on TVS.com, maybe Hulu, wherever else you can catch it. it. But this is a gem of a show. It kind of reminds it kind of reminds me of Cheers a little bit. So uh, we did. We uh, coming from Grim Shea here. I'm Marky. Uh, this is the Maddie P Radio Happy Hour. We wanted to thank Vivian Bang for joining us today. Thank you, Vivian. Please come back Thanks anytime. Thanks so much, you guys. Oh, I'd love oh, you've to. Been great. Thanks this Sullivan and Son, it's like night court and wings and shit. Like when they would just go nope. for the for the big laughs, you always know exactly what every character is going to say to get the laugh and it's got the laugh track and everything. But oh, I hate the laugh track. Said, like after, after Seinfeld, TV started getting better and now you got like Dirty Rock and you know, you know, Friends and thoughtful sitcoms. And I was wondering if, you know, do any of right. us miss that the old days? The night court? The Dan Fielding... I do. Telegraph, I, well, I miss Marky Post. Wow. We all miss Marky Post. Which one's Marky Post? Come on. You never watched Night Court? Oh, God, yes. I like that. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. I actually do miss that kind of um, just really over-the-top, like, I want it to really be a sitcom, which is why I like Two Broke Girls. It's really obviously a sitcom with really crude jokes that you can predict from a mile away. 
Uh, and I think that that's kind of the most like that's the show that I watch now that's most like a Night Court, or, you know. And, and yeah, and it, like it very much belongs in the family with yeah. Sullivan and Sons. So yes, those those shows do still exist, and I think the and question do. is, do we miss them? And I say, yeah, I wish there were more of them. Um, even though I probably still only watch one or two of them, no matter what. I mean, you can only take so much of it, right? Yeah. Is it like Cheers or something? It's kind. Of, it's like a cruder version of Cheers. But yeah. Cheers oh, is kind okay. of the same way. It was kind of thoughtfully written, at least. But you know, mm-hmm. every you know, if a hot girl walks in the bar, you know, Sam's about to say something. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. Uh, when he says something that makes no sense, there's about to be someone calling him on it. You know, it's stuff like that. You you can tell exactly what all every, the characters are. Every every single character has their role, and you know what they're going to say. And this one's a lot like that, but they. They they really focus the the actual joke here is it's not about it's not about sex well they do have that that older lady that's all hooked on sex but um, it does seem to really focus on racial jokes well yeah the the joke being that Sullivan <laughs> and son like, Sullivan's Irish and his son is uh, you know half Korean yeah so there's that little joke which they actually maybe the first few episodes they really hit it a lot. Mm-hmm. But the few that I saw, that didn't come up quite as much. They still have fun with her accent, and you know she's still a mean, stereotypical Korean mom. <laughs> yeah. But from what I hear, that might be true. I don't know if that's even a stereotype anymore. I well, uh, but, according to Vivian, that is that's that was you know that's a very true thing. Is that they they tend to be domineering, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, a Korean mother apparently. I've never had one, but apparently they they let you know exactly what they're thinking when they are thinking it. Brother, uh, yeah. brother, and and they will run your brother. Irish bar for you. Yeah, man, they'll yeah, man, they'll run you crazy. So yeah, that's it. I think uh, we brought you a uh, uh, very interesting interview with Vivian Bang. Um, she seems nice. I mean, I, I she makes me want to watch the show again so I can see her. On. I I have a kind of a a uh, agent related comment for her. Whatever it takes, get that picture of you off of IMDb. It does not do you justice. There are much better pictures of you on there. You got to get that one off when you're wearing that kind of blue blazer. Because if you if you take another step forward, you have got some gorgeous pictures of you in there when you got your glasses on and your hair's all messy. You're, she's a gorgeous girl. That one picture though. I don't oh, know. I just looking yeah. at what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that blue blazer. Very it's not a flattering Hero, picture, like but Hero but move on. Asian in a bad way. In a bad way. But if you like, but <laughs> click click on those pictures, and you're going to see what but I'm no, talking about. She's you know she's, I mean, she's hot. A lot of most of the other pictures. She's and hot. Even yeah. a, I mean, if you just Google her, there's another picture with her, kind of in the same same kind of look. You know, I mean, the same kind of head, a little little cocked aside, whatever, but. It's it's the blazer that's really killing it. It's not it's yeah, not her in any way. And then there's other pictures of her. I like her with the wavy hair. That's cute. <laughs> or with yeah. the glasses. I dig the glasses. Yeah. Uh, but she was just a real joy to uh, um, talk to. I think she's got a nice future ahead of her. Um, so that was great. Yeah. That was great. She made it sound like it's a lot of fun to work on that show. No. All right. Well, I got nothing. Yeah, I think uh, I think we finally we finally bored ourselves to death here. Okay. Rico, Sounds like a jam-packed final? show you had tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm dripping with sweat. It was so ecstatic. This studio is hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Burning it up. All right. Uh, Rico, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us again tonight. And um, we'll be We're back take soon. take next with... week off, but... 
Yeah. Yeah, I need a break. I work hard. I know. We I don't all know do. the rest of you, but I know I, for one, work damn hard. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. We this, will. This uh, porn is going to look at itself. <laughs> <laughs> this so, thing is uh, going to Oof. Hey. So, yeah. So, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us, and uh, we will be back soon. All right. Hey, thanks. Goodbye, world. Butterfly in the sky. Come on. I can go twice as high. Let's get it on. Take a look. Nigga. In a book. My nigga. Reading rainbow. You think it's a game? I can go anywhere. Suck my dick. Friends to know. My nigga. Ways to grow. Nigga. Reading rainbow. Here we go again. Nigga. In a book. My nigga. Reading rainbow. This is the shit I be talking about.